Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Good morning, everyone. Okay, you did much better than the first service. That's really good. Congratulations. It is so wonderful to be here in the house. It's so wonderful to see old faces and new faces. If you haven't met me before, I'd love to meet you afterwards. I'm Pastor Trish. And for those of you that don't know, I'm on assignment to uh, New City Church. That's why I haven't been here. I'm not playing hooky. I'm not mad at the church. I'm just on assignment. Uh, New City planted Trinity. And Mama Church was in need. And they were um, a little on the life support. And so Trinity sent me there on assignment. I just got word, actually. We started, when I started in January, we had 15 people. And I just got word that today we had 80 people in the house. Mm -hmm. Normally when I'm there, it's between 65 and 70. And it's always when I'm not there that it shoots up to 80. I'm not going to take it personal. (laughs) I'm not going to take it personal. But one thing I did do when I went there is I said, Lord, I know you don't love Noah more than me because, you know, God loves everybody the same. I always thought my whole life until about I was in my 20s that God loved me more than everybody, that I was his favorite. And then God showed me he loves everybody the same. So I said, God, I know you don't love me more than Noah. And Noah, when when God commanded him to take two of each of the animals one male, one female. He didn't go around looking and raising legs to see you. You male, you female, you come here with me. He stood at the door of the ark. He stood there and waited for the people to come in. So I stood at the driveway of New City, and I said, Lord, from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west, Father, I know that you can command people to come. I know, Father, that you can inspire them, and I know you can bring them there better than I can. And I'm telling you right now, if we serve a miraculous God. We had a man come in that said, I was driving to another church, and I saw a sign that said, New City and my car went this way. I go, okay. I had another lady who said, I was driving to another church and GPS brought me here. I said, all right, okay, we got something going here, right? It's not over. Then I had another lady who said, I was looking for a spirit-filled church. And I asked around and somebody told me faith something and I couldn't remember. So I closed my eyes and I said, Lord, where do you want me to go? And I heard New City, so I Googled it and that's why I'm here. Another lady that God said, you are to go to a church here in North Wilmington. And because she was going to Newcastle, she goes around and she sees a sign for the egg hunt, New City Church. And she says, there's a church back here. So she comes. God is sending them. God is on the move. We serve a miraculous God. So I say to God, God, you do it. And guess what? He's doing it. So whatever you're believing for today, just know that this miraculous God that we serve, this wonderful God is listening to whatever it is that you need. So anyway, with that in mind, I just wanted to tell you that New City is doing very well. Thank you for your faithful support. Thank you for some of you who have helped physically, financially, and through prayer. Uh, Please keep them coming. We have that um, uh, community fair on August 12th, and we're collecting school supplies. We want to bless the community. We're having another community night this Friday, uh, a kid outdoor movie. 
and it's going to be absolutely wonderful. If you have kids and you love movies, come visit us. We would love to welcome you. We already have a lot of people registered, so God is on the move. So today I want to continue talking about our series of road trip. The road trip, uh, it thinks this is the third week. We're doing it also at New City. So this is a road trip. Life is like a road trip. So the title of my message is Shake It Off and Aligning Our Crooked Paths to Align with His Straight Paths. When we started the series, the, the verse that we said is, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So the part that really stuck in my spirit and it's been resonating is a part where it says lean, lean, lean. And it's not about that song, lean on me, you know that one? When you're not strong. I believe that that should have been a Christian song. I really do. God gives us gifts and we choose whether we use them for, um, for us, for the world, or for him. And that song should have been... God wants us to lean on him. But the problem is that we tend to lean our, on our own understanding. We tend to lean on people that are not necessarily good for us. We tend to lean on things and things in everyday life that, that are not good for us. It's so easy to lean on our own understanding. It's so easy to lean on the natural things and the natural tendencies that we have. It's so easy to lean on our own understanding or on the understanding of others. And sometimes those others enable us. It is so easy to lean on lies that we have built up as our own little truth throughout our lives. Things that we believe. Things that we're so convinced of that other people can see that it's a lie, but we see it as truth. It is, I call them little truths because they've become so real in our lives that we actually believe that it's truth. If we took a, a, a lie detector test, we'd probably pass because in our lives they have become truth. But it's not really the truth at all. An example that I want to give you is an anorexic young lady whose skin and bones and will look at herself in the mirror and see a fat person. And the rest of us will say, but your skin and bones, hon. And she sees herself as fat. The beautiful woman syndrome, as they call it. A woman who's beautiful, and everybody thinks she's beautiful, but it's not enough for her. She keeps doing all kinds of plastic surgeries because she doesn't see herself as beautiful. It's that same distorted, crooked thinking that can cause a most powerful king of the jungle, a mighty lion, to look in the mirror and see himself as a cat. You know we've all been there, right? Where everybody around us tells us that we're wonderful, tells us that we did a good job, and then we believe that they believe it, but we don't believe it ourselves. Those are these little truths that we've built up in our lives. Sometimes others can see them and we can't. We call them blind spots. You know when you're driving? That's why my husband's car is a couple of decades newer than mine. But I just prefer my own car, my own old car that has no blind spots. His has a blind spot and sometimes I, I can't go as fast as I want. You know, I was created for speed. How many of you believe that? <laughs> Keep telling myself that to justify. That's what we do. See, see, that's a lie right there. It's a blind spot. And others can see it, the cars around you can see it, but we can't. 
Is it possible that we can be so discerning, that we can be so smart, that we can be so aware of so many things and yet have blind spots? We all have them. How we deal with them is important. So the enemy has so deceived us with his lies that they have become truth and we become justified. Selah, just pause for a minute and think about it. He has deceived us with these lies. You believe something about yourself or others that is simply an assumption and not the truth. Saints, do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not rely on your own understanding. Do not lean on what you think is right. The truth of the word of God, that's what reveals and brings forth the real truth. Some of us have lived with these little lies for so long that they have actually become truth. Broken relationships are usually the result of these little truths that we have adopted and sometimes we don't even know that we have them. Those blind spots, we don't even know they're there half the time. So these little truths, as we call them, have cost and developed crooked paths along the way and a crooked way of thinking. What is crooked? What do you mean by crooked, Pastor Trish? It's twisted. It looks like the truth. It resembles the truth, but it's not the truth. We get so comfortable walking in that path that it has become a way of living. Those little truths. We need to break away from those crooked paths. They have become like that old path that you take, that old sweater, those old shoes, the old friendship that we have. I have these shoes, I call them my kitchen Uggs because they were so comfortable at one point. They're not even comfortable anymore. They kind of hurt my feet, but I won't get rid of them. Because I'm so used to them. We do that, don't we? We get so used to certain things. And they're not necessarily good for us. We're just so used to it. So I wake up and I automatically slip them on. And as I'm wearing them, I'm thinking, I got to get these things off. They're not even comfortable anymore. But I keep them on. So we develop these personal attachments even when the truth is right in front of us. In my car, I have a brand new pair of the same Uggs. I could just go to the garage and get them, but I keep with the old. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your crooked path straight. He will take those crooked places that we have. He will take the crooked way of thinking. He will take the crooked things in our life, and he will make them straight. So what does the Lord say about these crooked paths? What does the Lord say about these blind spots? Let's turn to Isaiah 42, 16. This is what he says. I will lead the blind. This is the spiritually blind, the physically blind, the emotionally blind. I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light. Those things that you didn't know, you didn't know the truth, you didn't know the answer, he will take those dark things and he will turn them to light. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things that I do and I do not forsake them, says the Lord. 
He is not telling us, hey, I need you to straighten yourself up. I need you to take all those crooked places and I need you to make them straight. I need you to go clean up. I need you to get yourself together and then come to me. No, he is saying, submit yourself to me. Allow me to discipline you. Don't grow weary. Run the race and I will help you make those crooked paths straight. I will help you. That is, that is a promise from God. So I don't know what's troubling you. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what darkness you have that you need light to come in and illuminate you. I don't know. But if you read this word and you make it a declaration, this is how we should pray it. It's Isaiah 42, 16. You pray it. Write it down. And when you do, pray it like you mean it. So go over this with me. Whatever area it is. I want you to declare it. And he will lead me when I am blind in a way that I do not know. In paths that I have not known, he will guide me. He will turn the darkness before me into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things that he will do and he will not forsake me. He will turn the darkness before me into light. Those things that seem so dark, those places that you seem like you couldn't get out, he will turn them into light. He will shine his light and suddenly the wisdom of God will come upon you. Suddenly the knowledge of God will come upon you. Suddenly your path is illuminated and you will know where to go. You will know how to go. You will have that wisdom that you need. Because remember, that's what he wants. He wants it more than we do. Isaiah 65, 24 says, before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, while I'm still praying and crying out to God, while I'm saying, God, I need this, he's already prepared the answer. He's already working on our behalf because that's the kind of God that he is. He needs us to get ready to straighten out our crooked paths first. And you know, sometimes God doesn't straighten out the path. Sometimes God doesn't answer us because we may not be ready to receive it. He needs us to straighten out so he could bless us. And he waits. And he waits, and he waits. And sometimes we don't even get the prize until we get to heaven because we missed out. So whatever mountain you are facing, you have within you the power, you have within you the authority. Whatever mountain, you, whatever thing you have encountered, whatever rough terrain that you are having a hard time navigating, Whatever stones and rocks that are in the way, he will level them out. If you just submit to his authority and let him guide you along the way. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you put those mountains in our way because then we know that we have the authority to tell them to move. Thank you, Father, that you put those rough places because they make us stronger because we then have the power to level them out. Thank you, Father, that you put these trials and these tribulations, Father, in our way because you know that we can handle them. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever it is that's standing in a way, we take authority over it right 
right now by the power of the name of Jesus. And we command that mountain of debt, that mountain, that insurmountable mountain of challenges to move. We command the, the, the rough places to be smooth. And Father, we just command all those things to submit themselves to the authority of Jesus Christ. We ask you now, Father, that you would just illuminate our path, that you would open up our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes, that we may hear what Holy Spirit is saying. Help me to speak your word, Father, from your lips through mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So today, here's what we're going to talk about this road trip called life. We're going to talk about how to run the race, number one. Two, discipline is required. Three, how to walk in peace with no road rage, all right? In this road trip, no road rage. And four, how to shake it off. We will talk about ways that we can straighten out our crooked paths, the crooked paths that are thrown at us unexpectedly, the crooked paths that we create these little lies so that we could function in. We, we can be going about life so smoothly and all of a sudden, something pops up unexpectedly. Just there, you know, just when everything's going great. And what do we do? Instead of saying, in the name of Jesus, I command you to move. In the name of Jesus, I choose to trust you. We go, oh, every time I try to do this, I take two steps forward and they pull me back. We start, we start quoting the, the negative. Right? I talk to many people struggling financially. And just when things start looking good, something hits them. A bill comes in that was unexpected. And sometimes the little lies or our predispositions to believe a certain way will take us back to that same pattern, to that old pattern of thinking. And we go back to our little truths. And then we're back where we started. How many of you have been to Disneyland in California? Wow. I can make something up and nobody would know, right? <laughs> oh, back there, one. Okay. So when I was growing up, we went to Disneyland almost every year. And how we knew we were near Disneyland was that right in the middle of flat Los Angeles is a big mountain, a white mountain that was a roller coaster that you could just see the little cars like they were going to go out and then they would make a turn. And once we would see the Matterhorn, we would get so excited because, oh, we were near Disneyland. But my dad forgot to take an updated atlas, so we, we couldn't get there. We would see it. And then we would see this side, and we would see that side, and then we were back again to the beginning, and we kept circling and circling for over an hour, trying to figure out how to get there, and we just kept coming back to the same spot again. It kept pulling us back to the same spot. Years ago, I took my kids, my ministry kids, little kids, to a corn maze, and I didn't get the instructions because, come on, it's a corn maze. I'm like, pfft. How can you get lost? Well, we got lost. We got lost. And I had all these kids, like 40 kids. Pastor Trish, we're lost. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're, you know, we're, we're going to be good. Then they started crying. So I'm here with all these kids trying to find my way out, wishing I would have taken the map to, to show me and to guide me. And um, so finally, what we did is I got one of the kids and I stood him up on top of the bale of hay and he told me, I see the way out. So we got out and we found the way out, open land, only to discover that it was the entrance. 
we never got to the end. I said, we're done. We're done, right? So it brought us back. It's a vicious cycle. It brings you back and you start doing the same thing. You know what? These are just designed to keep us from moving forward. These are distractions that are designed so we won't get to our divine destiny. So what do we do when we seem to be walking in circles? What do we do? We stay the course. You stay the course and you keep looking ahead until you find your way out. So what do we do when we find that bump on the road that we didn't expect, that road closed, that exit closed? What do we do? We stay the course. We don't give up. We stay the course. What do we do when the unexpected hits like a tornado and weather? We don't give up. We stay the course. We follow God. We trust in God. We do not lean on our own understanding. We do not lean on our own estimation. We keep our eye on the prize. First of all, in order for us to break those crooked paths, we must first identify them. Are we going around in unnecessary paths or crooked paths? And are we carrying around unnecessary load, unnecessary things that we were not meant to carry? They will slow us down and will keep us from staying the course. We need to allow God to show us to make the crooked places straight, to smooth out the rough places and expose to us the crooked places that we have formed in our minds. So let's do that right now. Let's take uh, 30 seconds, 20 to 30 seconds. Let's ask God, expose and identify, Lord, to me, those crooked places that we thought were true but are not true at all. Let's just take a few minutes, a few seconds. Selah. Okay, so hopefully the Lord revealed something to you. Okay, so the number one thing, run the race. In several places in the Bible, God compares our walk to that of a, the journey of an athlete. Do what you need to do, but stay on the course. Do what you need to do, get in the word. Do what you need to do, get into worship. Do what you need to do, get sermons. Do what you need to do to stay on course. He expects us to keep moving, to not get distracted, to not get discouraged, to not give up. And you might say, you don't understand, Pastor Trisha, keep falling. Get up and try again. If you fell in moving traffic, would you just stay there? No, you would get up in a hurry and you'd run so fast you never knew you could run that fast, right? That's what he wants us to do. Stay the course. Get up. Get up. Get up and keep moving. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Have you ever seen those people running like this? I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run the race to win. So there's only one person gets the, the prize here. 
All of us get the prize when we get to heaven. All of us get the prize when we run for God. But he, yet he still tells us, run as though there's only one prize. Pursue me. Follow me. Be relentless. Follow me. Come to me. Don't allow distractions. Keep your focus on me. Run that race as though I'm the prize and you're coming to me. Hebrews 12.3 tells us what to do to run the race and stay on course. And I've just dissected these two verses into three things. The first one is remove the hindrances. Let us throw off everything and anything that hinders and encumbers and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So I had I, this couple that I know, they're older. They didn't have a chair or a love seat to sit on. They would recline on their bed. And I said to them one day, I, do you have a place where you could just sit and recline? And they said, no. And then I went to BJ's and I saw a love seat, a leather love seat. Th this is the miracle of God for $399.99. And it was a love seat that reclined. So it had all the mechanisms. It had a console in the middle. And so I'm shopping by myself and I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fabulous when it comes to picking things up. So I have a system. Here's my system. I get, the, I get the box, not never the one at the bottom, and this box was about this wide, this tall, and this wide. So I put it up here, then I move my cart, and then I slide it on top of my cart. And then I walk around the store like this, banging everybody that comes in contact with me, but I get there. Then I go to my van, I open up the back, and then I put it up there and I push it and it gets in there, all by my 65-year-old self. Yes, I know, I know, I'm fabulous, I know. I know, I was really proud of myself until I realized that I couldn't get it out of the car because I couldn't pull it. I could push it in, I could shove it in, but I couldn't pull it. And I went in my car and tried to push it up this way, but there was not enough room, and it would not move. I carried that thing for almost two weeks in the back of my van. From Bear, where I live, to North Wilmington, to Hokesson, back to North Wilmington, and back to Bear. For two weeks, I carried that unnecessary weight. I carried that thing that was hindering me in the back. That thing that was just my, I, I felt like my wheels were gonna go like this. Then one day I said, this is ridiculous. I need to find somebody to take it out. There was only two young men at the church. Both of them had back problems. Two middle-aged men, both of them had hernias. And the rest of them were women. And what we say at camp is, we need, we need six good men or four women. <laughs> when, <laughs> so Pastor George would say, okay guys, we need to put these heavy items away. I need six men or four women. Uh, so I tried to get the women. Suddenly, a young man appeared, and all is well. They were managed to take it out of my, my van. So as I'm driving the van, 
I felt so free. The van seemed like it was a brand new van. It was riding. It was gliding. I felt like I had gotten a new car because it was so wonderful because I had taken the weight off, the unnecessary weight that I wasn't supposed to carry. My van wasn't designed to be a cargo van. My van wasn't designed to carry all that unnecessary extra weight. And once I got rid of it, I was able to run those freeways at a 95 miles an hour, like I was intended to. Mia knows we compete to see who drives the fastest. And then she wins. I let her win because I get convicted from the Holy Spirit that the angels stop at 55. So anyway, run without the unnecessary weight. Number two, fix your gaze on him. Fix your gaze on him. Don't worry about what this person is saying. Don't worry about what that person is saying. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Verse two, the pioneer, the perfect, perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He never stopped to listen to the insults. He never stopped to listen to the mockery. He never stopped to pay attention to the people that were spitting on him, the people that were throwing things at him. He never stopped. He fixed his gaze on the cross. And at the end of the cross, he saw you and he saw me. And he said, I'm going to die for them. So he kept his focus on the cross. He did not allow anything to detour him. And any, at any point, he could have called legions. He could have summoned legions of angels and had them go take care of the people that were insulting him. At any point, he could have done that. But he chose to run the race. He chose to fix his eyes on the cross. He chose to fix his eyes on, on getting rid of sin so that we didn't have to sacrifice. He chose to die for you and me. Because he fixed his gaze. And you know, sometimes we just get so distracted with life. Like I told you before, I live in Bear. It takes me 30 minutes to get here, 30 minutes to get to North Wilmington. And oftentimes, I have to give myself at least 45 minutes. Because inevitably, I will run into a road that is just bumper to bumper. And I'll say, well, there must be a really bad accident. So I'll call ahead and say, I'm, I'm probably going to be stuck here for a while. All of a sudden, the traffic clears because there really was no accident on the road. There was an accident on the side of the road, and people had to stop to look at it because inquiring minds need to know, right? So they stopped. So the traffic was because people were stopping to look they were distracted. That is what the enemy does to us. That's all part of his crooked plan to get you off course. But we need to shake it off. We need to, how many accidents do we need to look at? How many bodies do we need to see? How many cars do we need to crash up? Don't look at the accidents. Keep your focus and stay on course. Number three, don't grow weary. In this walk, Sometimes, I talked to two ladies today, we are so weary, we don't know how we're going to go on anymore. Keep your focus on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who never gave up for us. Neither should we give up on this. Do not grow weary. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose 
heart. What an amazing example he was. He, the very people that were spitting at him, the very people that were mocking him, the very people that were throwing things at him, he kept his gaze and he died for them. He's not asking us to die for people. He's just asking us to fix your gaze on me so that I can take you where you need to go. Sometimes the road can be tough and you think, I'm lost and abandoned. God, do you even know that I'm calling on you? But just know this, he is building character and making us stronger. He is teaching us to be strong. Don't worry about falling or making mistakes. Pick yourself up and start all over again. Keep moving. Keep believing. Don't lose heart. Know who he is and know that he will take you out of this situation. Number two, discipline is required. Hebrews 12. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke? Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to his children? He said, my child... Don't make light of the Lord, light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when He corrects you, for the Lord corrects, disciplines those He loves, and He punishes each child He accepts. Okay, go back. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as His children? Only the Lord can call discipline encouraging words. Think about it. The encouraging words, discipline. It's like he wants us to say, yay, I'm getting corrected. Yay. But here's the truth. He is encouraging us. He's encouraging us that it all will be good. And it's for our good. And it's for his glory. Hebrews 12, 7. As you endure, as you endure this divine discipline, he calls discipline divine. Divine discipline. And he doesn't say if you endure. He says as you endure. As you endure this divine discipline. It's course correction. And it's for a divine purpose. And that's why he calls it divine discipline. I can tell you with my whole heart that I believe that there are things that he wants to give us. There are things that he is waiting to give us, but he's waiting for us to handle it. And some of us never do. There is a father and son, a father that used to collect cars, and he would share them with his son, and he would take him out for rides. And the son couldn't wait to get his hands on the Corvette. He couldn't wait until that Corvette was his. And his father kept training him so that he could ride that Corvette. But the son was reckless in his driving. So the father did not give him that car until he was in his late 30s. Because he knew what the son would do with that car. Are there things that God holds from us because we are not ready to handle them? Because he knows that it will not be good for us at the end? Are there things that he needs to correct in us so that we could be ready to receive what he has in store for us? And I believe that God is saying, my children, there is so much that I want to give you. 
There is so much that I have for you, but I can't do it until there's a little bit of correction. Until you learn how to handle this little money, then I will give you more. Verse 8. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate children and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew. But God's discipline is always good for us. Always good for us. So that we might share in his holiness. He disciplines us so we can share in his holiness. A holy father requires holy children. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest. Everybody say peaceful harvest. Of right living for those who are trained in this way, like an athlete and exercise, in order to build muscle. The muscle literally has to rip. I used to lift weights all the time, and I know I could feel like my muscles. One day I said to my dad, it feels like my muscles are ripping. And he said, it's because they are. The building up of muscle is to get you to that ultimate place. Actually, the building up of muscle requires a breaking first. So if you want that muscle, if you want to attain that beautiful body, there must be a breaking first. If you want to reach those things in the kingdom, there must be a breaking first. So if you're being broken, it's because he has something beautiful for you. Amen? A peaceful harvest is a promise from God. A peaceful harvest. Never in my years of being alive have I seen people walking around with so much anxiety and stress. They said that the average teenager carries around as much stress as a mental patient in an institution back in the 60s. But they've learned to live with it. So what's our part? This is my favorite part of that whole chapter. So take a new grip with your tired, feeble hands and strengthen your weak, trembling knees. Think about it. Hands that are tired... And he is telling us to get a grip. Hands that are weak. Hands that are hanging from being so, carrying around such a weight. And what does he tell us? Get a grip. You know what a grip is? It's a firm hold. It's not just this. It's a firm hold. A tight grasp or a clasp. Take those hands that are weak, that are tired, that are hanging down, that you feel like you can no longer go on, like you feel like you can no longer carry, that you feel like you can no longer continue. And he is telling us to take those hands and get a grip, not grab, grip. And he wouldn't tell us to do that if he wouldn't equip us. 
Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. So how do we do this, Pastor Trish? How do we do what you're telling us to do? Let's turn to Hebrews. Let's do Hebrews 12 in the TPT, the, in the Passion. And this is what it says. This is so beautiful. So be made strong in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. And strengthen your weak knees. For as you keep walking, keep walking with those tired knees, with those limpy legs, keep walking forward on God's path. And all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. It is course correction, my friends. It is the right path. It is the straight path. When you walk the straight path, he will be, bring strength and he will bring healing. When you act out and when something's going wrong and you decide you're going to pray and you're going to worship instead of complaining, it, you, it will bring divine healing. He will equip you. The Amplified says, cut through and make smooth paths for your feet that are safe and will go in the wrong direction, the right direction. There it is. That's how we do it. Number three, pursuing peace. No rote rage. Everybody repeat after me. No rote rage. I'm not kidding you. One time there was a guy that was following me. And um, the other day, there was a, a guy that was beeping at me because I was going slow. The Holy Spirit was on me, so I had to obey. So I had to go slow, right? But uh, a few months ago, there was a guy that kept beeping, kept, almost hit me, going and weaving through cars. And what do I see? A TCC logo in the back of his car. TCC, Trinity Community Church. So I start going after him because I wanted to see who it was. He was going so fast. I couldn't catch up with him. I could not. It was Pastor TJ. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. The Amplified Bible says continually pursue peace with everyone. With everyone. Not some of us. With everyone. It doesn't matter who started the fight. You pursue peace. You do your part and create peace. He calls us to make those crooked places straight. Who knows? Maybe if you walk the straight path, people will say, hey, that path looks pretty cool. Let me walk alongside with them. Romans 12 says, do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Sometimes we say, I don't care what people think. I know I've said that. But it says here, to be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Romans 12, 8 says, if, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Pause for a minute and think. If possible means that sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes you can't make peace with that person. But you do everything in your power that you can to make peace. Do everything in your power to not exhibit road rage. Do everything in your power to do what's right. And some people you have to love from a distance. If peace can't be reached, at least we did our part. Okay, so back to Hebrews 12. And this is my closing. 
This is my first closing. Because last time I had to have two closings. Hebrews 12 says, make sure that you never refuse to listen to God as he speaks. For the God who spoke on earth from Mount Sinai is the same God who now speaks from heaven. Those who heard him speak his living word on earth found nowhere to hide. For what chance is there for us to escape if we turn our backs on God and refuse to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven? The earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain. The earth was rocked by the sound of his voice. But now he has promised once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of this world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. That means the things, the spiritual darkness that is floating around us, that means that the demonic strongholds, that means that the angels in the heavenly realm, that means that he will shake them, he will shift them, he will shake the systems of this world. Now the phrase once and for all clearly indicates the final removal of things that are shaking. That is the old order. So only what is unshakable will remain. Since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender. What kind of surrender? Absolute surrender, filled with awe, for our God is a holy devouring fire. There is a shaking that is taking place in the body of Christ. Because the world has become so unbiblical, the, word is, the world is going in a way that does not include the word of God, that does not include the principles of God. But there is a shaking that is happening where he's shaking the body of Christ to shake off the things that will hold us behind, to shake off the things that will encumber us, to shake off the things that will entangle us so that we could be free to run the race. There is a shaking that is taking place and I want to be a part of it. There is a shaking that is taking place and a bigger shaking that is about to take place because God is wanting to remove the undesirable things. He wants wants to straighten out our crooked little paths. He is shaking the little lies and replacing them with truth. He is shaking out the rough areas to smooth them out, the coarse things in us and around us, and he's leveling out mountains. He is shaking us so that he can empower us to shake the systems of the world. Who can shake the systems of the world except the body of Christ? Saints, it's time for us as a church to rise up and be the hope. It's time for us to rise up and be the people that could lead, that could cause a change, that could cause the systems of this world to change with truth and with love. He is shaking us. He's shaking off the things that are undesirable so that he can establish an unshakable faith in us and unshakable strength and unshakable power so that we could do the work that he has called us to do so that nothing will bring us down so that when we will be able to shake addiction so we will be able to disseminate debt so we will be able to get rid of anger that we can shake off impatience 
He wants us to shake off fear, insecurity, selfishness, depression, arrogance. He wants to shake that off us so that we can have that unshakable faith so that when we stand and we see that mountain, that we would command that mountain to move and the mountain will crumble right before us. So that we can command those rough roads. Not so we could go to our neighbor, hey, can you take care of this for me? No, God has given us all the power. God has given us all the authority. God has given us the knowledge so that we can stand and look at that mountain and command it, command it to move. So we can look at the rough places and command them to be smoothed out. He has given us the ability to make our crooked path straight. He has given us the ability through peace to mend broken relationships. And lastly, he wants us to shake the systems of the world that are following a crooked path. He wants us to be an influence. Church, it's time to rise up. Our faith is compared to a literal race. So have determination that we can identify the crooked paths that we have formed as little truths that are not truth so that we can keep our eyes on the prize, stay strong, so that we can live at peace and not engage in road rage, so that we can live at peace with others and shake off the unshakable so we can live a life of unshakable faith. You know that our Savior was faced with religious and political systems that were powerful, and he was able to shake them off. So he's not asking us to do something that we can't. As believers, we are being challenged by our culture but it's time for us to rise up and light up the way and lead the way that people could follow us to the cross. It's time to rise up and be unshakable and be powerful and be an instrument that God can use so that through us, he can change the world. Do you want that? Would you stand? I'm gonna pray over you. I'm gonna ask Tyler to come close Father first of all Father I pray that you would help us to identify those little truths the crooked paths and that with it you would give us the power and the ability to straighten them up we give you our crooked paths, Lord. We give you, Lord, our weaknesses. And we ask you to shake them off and instill in us and empower us, Father, with an unshakable faith that will move mountains. An unshakable faith that you could move through signs and wonders and we could show people your power, Lord and unshakable faith, Father, that we will not be moved or stirred by the situations around us. So, Father, I pray for a release of that supernatural strength and just receive it, friends. Just receive that breaker anointing 
to be able to help people at the point of their need, to be able to encourage people when they are down, and to be able to be a hope to this generation. Thank you in advance, Father, for what you're about to do. Now, I know some of you have these mountains that are in front of you, and you're frustrated, and you're tired, and you just don't know what to do. So, Father, with a prayer of agreement, we come against those mountains, and we command them to disintegrate and to crumble in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you in advance for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.